alone again, naturally. Yeah, I'm a terrible singer. Uh, you know, let's just segue into our uh, intro music. Here we go. Creation is beautiful. See what's happening this week with the pop culture. And welcome to a very special edition of Pop Culture Quintessentials with Cubed. I am Ruben Kiros. I am the lonely one member of Cube here today. And I know so much has happened since our last recording. I mean, Killers of the Flower Moon came out. The uh, SAG strike has continued to drag out. There's updates there. Um, as of this recording, as of like 20 minutes ago, they announced a Legend of Zelda movie to be produced by Avi Arad which I am sure our esteemed panelists will have many, many opinions about. But for today, we're going to forget all of that, and we're only going to talk about one topic. Hey, MJ, I have another name for you. Craven. He's here on some kind of hunt. No, if you need me, I'm just a call away. Lee, you don't know what you took from me. All Miles talks about is how to be a better Spider-Man. How to help you. What the hell is going on with me? He's not himself. Go help him. This was our dream. I'm not going to lose him. We're going to heal the world. And I did tease that I was going to be talking about this topic towards the end of last episode. But um, in case you didn't hear the last episode, this is all about Spider-Man 2 that just came out for the PS5. I'm going to give you my thoughts and opinions on that game. Um, I have platinum the game. I have spent about 30 hours in the game in the last two weeks. And I just wanted to give you my general opinions because... I mean, if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, you know, I mean, Spider-Man is one of my favorite heroes. That's one. But two, I think that the original Spider-Man PS4 is probably, no, it's not probably, it is my favorite interpretation of the Peter Parker story ever. 
So let's just dive right into this game. I'll talk about what I think it did better than the first game. I'll touch on the negative aspects that I have and what I think it did a little bit worse than the first game. And then at the end, I will give you my general impressions and um, I will let you know whether or not I think you should invest your time and money into this game. So let's just get right into it. Um, I'll touch on the story later on um, in case you want to be completely blind about the story. I will not get into spoilers, don't worry. But I'm going to start off talking about the gameplay in this game. I mean, just right off the bat, Spider-Man PS4 and Miles Morales had already fundamentally changed what we think about when we think about a Spider-Man game. I mean, IGN said it in their review, but uh, it makes you feel like Spider-Man. I mean, those two games, incredible. The web-swinging mechanics, um, the city, and how alive it feels. Uh, I mean, the air tricks, the combat, all of that was really well done in those first two games. But somehow, somehow... And I still can't believe that I'm saying this. Somehow, this game takes all of that and notches it up another effing level. I mean, unbelievable. The map is two times the size of the first two games. That's the first thing. I mean, instead of just the island of Manhattan, you have parts of Brooklyn and Queens in this game. Not only that, but here, I mean, not only are the web swing animations improved... Especially with Peter Parker. I mean, in, in the original game, it was good web swinging, but eventually it became kind of basic just because there was like the same rotations of animations on his web swinging. There's more variety to his animation, so it feels more alive in this game. Miles is about basically the same. His game only came out three years ago, and they basically incorporated what they did in that game into this game, and but they also expanded it onto Peter. And it just makes it feel more lively. And yes, it makes it feel more, even more like you're Spider-Man when you're playing through this game. The other huge addition, besides the map size and then the swinging animation, is the web wings. Uh, if you're an avid Spider-Man comic book reader, these are basically little webs that he has under his armpits that allow him to glide. So basically, I mean, if you played the Arkham games, it's basically that mechanic and it let, lets you glide as Spider-Man. The big difference is the sheer speed and velocity you are flying through the city with these web wings. And I mean, that's all a credit to next generation gaming. I mean, the, there's barely any load time on the map. So you are able to fly through the map without any popping, as they refer to it in the industry, which is basically um, when the buildings that are ahead of you just randomly spawn because they have to load in. There's none of that in this game. You are flying through the city as Spider-Man at high speeds. I mean, it takes you half the time to go from one destination to the other than what it took you in the first game. There is no loading screens at all as you are traversing the, uh, the city as Spider-Man. It is one of the only times I have actually felt that PlayStation 5 slash next generation power to my console. It is absolutely insane. It really helps the immersion as well. There's nothing that like brings you out of it. And it's like, oh, this is just, you know, an unrealistic game. No, you are fully immersed in being Spider-Man and just gliding, swinging, traversing this city. It's really a, I mean, if I was a kid and I had a game like this, I would have freaked out. I can't even imagine. I am envious of the 
of the kids who are going to grow up with this game and whatever the hell is going to be developed over the next couple of console generations. It is mind-blowing how far gaming has come even just in my lifetime. Now, beyond just the traversal improvements, there are also combat improvements in this game. Um, so, in the first game, you were just mind-numbingly bashing buttons at a certain point, and there were an over-reliance on the gadgets, I'd say, with Spider-Man. Yes, the gadgets were fun, but the gadgets, if you let it, would just become, oh, I'm just going to use five of these gadgets and get out of a combat situation easily. No. In this game, they take away the gadgets, which I've seen some of the backlash online, but I think was a good move, personally, and they simplify it, where you only have four gadgets for your Spider-Man and then an ability and that has, like, four different movesets. Um, and what that does for the combat is it basically forces you to vary your combat. Certain enemies are, are not going to be defeated the same way as others. I mean, they have really done a good job of just varying the enemy's strengths and weaknesses. Or the enemy AI in this game. Um, there are... Um, Craven's Hunters, there are a subset of villains, which would be a spoiler to come in in the third act of the game, but you cannot fight them the same way. Craven's Hunters, you can fight them in the air on the ground. Um, this other subset of villains that comes in in the third act of the game, again, huge spoiler if I tell you what this subset of villains is, but you can't fight them in the air. You have to use more of your gadgets. You have to use the gadgets to uh, daze your enemies before you're able to successfully attack them or else if you try the same combat patterns you tried with Craven's Hunters you will easily get defeated by these enemies. Like I said the AI for each enemy group varies way more than it did in the first game which makes you have to enter every single encounter at the top of your game um, and focused. You can't just mindlessly bash buttons, mindlessly use gadgets like the first game. You have to actually be on your feet. Well, not literally on your feet, um, but thinking on your feet and <laughs> trying to figure out how to approach this enemy group because that enemy group is going to be different than what you were encountering earlier in the game. Another mechanic that they implemented into this game is a counter button. This wasn't in the first game, so basically all the enemies would do was every attack could be dodged in the first game. You could dodge anything. Um, no attack had to have a timed counter in order to avoid being hit by it. Here, there are count attacks that you have to counter to avoid being hit and then there's also attacks that are heavy which you just have to dodge and that variety of enemy attacks also forces you to be thinking on your feet because you can't just mindlessly bash the, the uh, circle button like you did in the first game no you have to think on your feet and you have to um engage with the combat situation basically <laughs> summing up what i'm saying the combat is way better here because it requires more thought it requires more variety. Um, it re requires more level of uh, mastery of what your abilities can each do. So you uh, can save them for the right moment. Um, basically, it's less of a dumb button masher and more of a carefully plotted out combat sequence, which will not be repetitive, which will avoid uh, any boredom that could potentially come up from button mashing, because I know that happens for some people. Um, it makes the game more engaging, in my opinion, and I think it, they, Insomniac did a very good job of raising the combat level in this game. Yes, the combat in the first game was fun. It was enjoyable. I like loved it. 
it really did feel like I was fighting as Spider-Man. I know I keep saying as Spider-Man feel like Spider-Man, but it's true. <laughs> this game does a good job of that. But in this game, it really does feel like Insomniac made a did a meticulous job of increasing the combat level while also keeping the base level combat so you're not relearning a whole new like move set for spider-man like spider-man still fights the same way but they have simplified his gadget output to the point where the combat is more challenging in this game and i know some people will complain about that because it's in some ways a demotion you're going from an overpowered spidey to now a Spidey who has to be a little bit more on his toes, a little bit more about timing, uh, which moves you use, which gadgets you use. There's more of a limit to what you have as Spider-Man in this game. But I think overall that does a good job of creating a much better gaming experience, uh, one that's way more engaging. So overall, I think as a gaming package, like not even looking at the story of the game, but as a game you have a bigger map that is more detailed. I didn't get into this a lot, but there's more detail. There's more traffic. There's more pedestrians. It feels more like New York City in terms of population density. The size of the map makes you feel like you're going through a bigger area. So it feels like you're seeing more of New York City, which in turn adds to the overall experience. You're flying through more of the city with the traversal of your characters the traversal is outstanding the swinging is less repetitive and monotonous there's more variety in the swing animations there's slingshot which i forgot to mention as well you're able to launch yourself at high velocity speeds through the city you're able to glide quickly through these wind tunnels that they have basically just makes for a next generation gaming experience because you're flying through a map at high speeds without any of the map having to load in, which makes it, again, feel like you're more immersed as this super-powered individual, more so than the first game where you could feel like Spider-Man, but you could still feel some of the limits of gaming um, and the loading screens and the speed wasn't as high here it really feels like another level like you really feel like spider-man and i feel like i'm saying that as a joke at this point and then finally <laughs> the combat um like i was saying in the last segment really great um improvements to the combat really makes you be more on your toes less button mashy in a more engaging system of combat which while it does downgrade Spider-Man itself himself by having less gadgets, it does make for a better gaming experience. So with the gaming aspects of this game out of the way, I'm going to get into the story. Now, if you want to know nothing about the story, I'd suggest clicking off of this. Uh, overall, what I'd say, um, so the gameplay is great. That's a 10 out of 10. The story is a step down from the first game, probably like an 8 out of 10 in my opinion. But overall, I'd give this game a 9 out of 10. And I'd highly recommend you play this game. Now, is that full price? Or is it when it goes on sale? Probably for Black Friday later this month. I don't know. But I think it is worth your time. Depending on how big of a fan of Spider-Man you are, um, that's how quickly I'd recommend getting this game. Alright. Gave you all a sec to leave there. And now let's get into the story. Now... Again, I will not be talking spoilers here, 
But I know some people are sensitive about having any, any story beats discussed. So I just wanted to give you all the opportunity to hear my overall thoughts and then dip if you want to know nothing about the game. All right. So starting off, uh, let's go through the main villains of the game because uh, I feel like those were the standouts. I mean, Spider-Man stories, typically the villains are the standouts, let's be real. Uh, and this is no exception. Uh, the first villain, who's the main villain for like two-thirds of the game, is Craven the Hunter. Now, Craven the Hunter, in my opinion, is so well done in this game that that movie, which we were reading the trailer for in an earlier episode this year, the movie that eventually is going to come out next year is going to look silly and stupid by comparison. Because Craven is done such justice in this game. Craven, let's be real, is one of Spider-Man's most formidable foes. That is the proper adaption of Craven. If you haven't read Craven's Last Hunt, I highly recommend that book. It is basically a Spider-Man comic book that is actually about Craven. And it's really a Craven character study. Um, this game doesn't go into a deep character study on Craven. In fact, I'd say this game has a very simple villain motivation, which I will not give away here for Craven. Uh, Craven only has one goal in mind, and you get that goal. You understand why he wants to go for that goal, and what he's why he wants to achieve it, why he wants to go on these hunts against uh, Spider-Man's super-powered villains, and what he wants to attain from those hunts. It's a very singular goal in mind. Now, while this goal could be ridiculous, I think the performance by the actor, the writing by Insomniac's crew, makes it so Craven does not come off as ridiculous for having this goal. You understand him in his own demented way. Like, he is a messed up individual, but you understand where he's coming from with his character motivation. And he's this big looming presence over the entire first two-thirds of the game. He does stuff in this game, which had my jaw drop. I couldn't believe where they were going with this. They basically made Kraven the ultimate Spider-Man villain in this universe. And I think it makes sense you had to do that. Because the first game already had the Sinister Six. So where do you go from there? You introduce a Kraven that is formidable... And does not go down easily. A, a Craven who is so unrelenting of accomplishing his one goal that you don't think, you don't see how the Spider-Men are going to be able to defeat this Craven. And it is this Craven's relentless obsession that creates the perfect antagonistic force to go against Peter Parker as he's dealing with the symbiote and the obsession he develops with that. And the realization he has that he can't defeat Craven without this suit. Or I should say the belief that he develops that he can't de uh, defeat Craven without this suit. Um, he becomes obsessed with this suit. It becomes like his one goal to keep the symbiote at all costs. While he is facing a villain who has this one goal at all costs that he wants to accomplish. It just makes for great symmetry in the storytelling <laughs> when you have the hero trying to embrace the villain's ideology and then slowly realizing that it is leading him down a dark path. And I don't want to give away what happens with the symbiote throughout the story, but I will say it is a really good adaption of the symbiote arc from Spider-Man. If you've seen Spider-Man 3, you kind of already know what the symbiote arc is. It's Insomniac's twist or spin on that uh, symbiote arc. And I think 
it is incredibly well done. Uh, Yuri Lowenthal does a really great job as Peter Parker and as he goes through his descent, um, what he calls an addiction. And it's true. Like Peter Parker becomes addicted to the symbiote and starts to believe that he can't fight crime without it. He can't be a good Spider-Man without this suit. He becomes obsessed with this suit. And I think that at the core is what the symbiote arc is about. It is about Peter getting lost in this increase in power that he receives through the symbiote. So overall, great job with the symbiote arc. I do not want to give away any details. So that is about as vague as I'm going to get uh, with the symbiote itself. Now, moving on to the other main antagonist of the game. And I'm going to keep this part really vague because it's the third act of the game. And I do not want to spoil this experience for any of you. But Venom. Venom comes in in the last third of the game. Um, his introductory sequence, outstanding. Hats off to Insomniac for what they did in that sequence. When you play through it, you'll understand what I mean when I'm giving them their props here. Um, it The gameplay becomes very, very different when Venom first enters the scene. And I think it just immerses you in the story even more than you already were up to that point. Um, but... Venom itself, uh, you have Tony Todd playing Venom here, and I think it's one of the best comic book castings ever. I mean, not just in a game, not just in a movie or a TV show. This is one of the best comic book castings ever. His voice fits so well. I mean, Candyman as Venom is a 10 out of 10 casting choice, and whoever at Insomniac did that deserves a raise. Such a great decision. Um, it just he had just has this buttery deep voice um that just carries gravitas with everything venom's saying like you're engaged you're locked in on venom as he's going through his arc throughout the last third of this game and i love how he, venom's portion of the arc is set up through the first part of the game with the character who becomes Venom, again, not going to give that away, but the character who becomes Venom has a very, very powerful arc in the first two thirds of the games, two thirds of the game, excuse me, um, that effectively leads to what happens in the last third of the game. Um, really well done. The final boss battle against Venom. I mean, I don't think that's a huge spoiler. You you probably all assumed the last boss battle was going to be against Venom, but way tougher in any of the boss battles in the first game really tests your metal, your might, your fingers. Um, but it is a fulfilling experience. And I love the setting and like how they incorporate next generation gaming into the boss battle. I mean, you're going through like different portions of a structure let's say i'm trying to keep it as vague as possible but the boss battle isn't just static in one place you're kind of jumping around during this boss battle which again props props to insomniac for incorporating next generation gaming to this degree in this game really pushing the bar forward and hopefully other companies are able to grab that bar and continue to experiment and make even better games going forward now let's move on to some of the let's call them criticisms I have towards the story aspect of the game. Um, my one big criticism is the Miles story. Now, don't get me wrong. The Miles story for when he's on screen is really well done. He has this arc with uh, Mr. Lee, uh, Mr. Negative from the first game. Um, 
And it's basically this arc with him having to deal with encountering Mr. Negative again and all the feelings that are present there because of what Mr. Negative did to his father who was killed in the City Hall bombing in the first game. And it's basically Miles having to contend with with the thoughts of revenge that he has in his head that come when he re-encounters Mr. Lee. His arc is effective, like you feel the impact when it gets resolved in the third act. My issue with the Miles arc, though, is it kind of feels a little detached from what's going on with Peter and the symbiote. There's no like direct connection there until very, very late in the game. And, and Miles feels like he's kind of sidelined uh, for portions of the game, um, which was kind of a bummer, but at the same time, I get it. It's mainly Peter's story, Peter having to deal with the symbiote and Harry it kind of would feel like Miles would become a third wheel if they put him in more sequences with Peter and Harry when that uh, relationship between Peter and Harry is the fulcrum of the story. But since the main story is that relationship between Peter and Harry and what becomes of Peter when he puts on that symbiote, uh, Miles is kind of relegated to this side plot with Mr. Lee, Martin Lee, um, and it feels like that side plot, while effectively written, is kind of shortchanged, a little short, and there's not much connection. So it feels a little bit disjointed with the overall narrative in the first two thirds. Again, I feel like it all does come together towards the end of the game. Um, and I really love the final uh, resolution you get with uh, Miles and Mr. Negative in that final mission you have with them. But... Um, I feel like Insomniac could have done a little bit of a better job um, incorporating Miles into the main story and maybe even like finding a way to incorporate his conflict with Lee more into the main story with Peter. <clears throat> the other big criticism I have is the third act of the game. Um, it feels a little bit too compact. Like in the first game, um, spoilers for the original Spider-Man PS4 if you haven't happened to play it, um, but the third act of the game, the Sinister Six assemble and then New York uh, completely changes, the map completely changes into this apocalyptic setting um, where it's overrun by Sable agents, by prisoners, it just changes completely. And there's something similar in this game. The city's overrun by a villainous force in this uh, last third of the game. The issue is this last third of the game is so short, you don't really feel immersed into um, what this environment is because you're in it and you're out of it really quick just because of the nature of how the story's structured it feels apocalyptic just like the first game yes but a little too compact i think if they would have extended the game maybe like two three more missions in this last third this last third would feel less rushed maybe even like expanding venom's arc a little bit more which it works in the current game but i feel like if you expanded this last third of the game out another 30, 40 minutes through two to three more missions, then I feel like you would have had a more complete package of a game. And it would have allowed you as the gamer to better get immersed into this third act of the game, just like you did in the first uh, game, first Spider-Man game. I feel like that could have been done a little bit better. So yeah, main criticisms, Miles' story feeling a little bit disjointed from the main narrative, and then a little bit too short of a third act in the game and I feel like again just a couple more missions could have probably made this pacing feel a little more balanced because as of now it feels a little bit rushed but overall I think um it's a great story 
Um, it's a great Spider-Man story. Like I was saying earlier, the symbiote arc is really well written. Like it's really easy to screw up the symbiote arc for Spider-Man because he could become like this overly emo character who's becomes malicious for no reason at all. But I think Insomniac did a good job of giving Peter a believable motivation for why he would keep using this suit, which is he gets addicted to it. He gets way too attached to the symbiote. Yeah, so Craven, Venom, really well done. Main story overall well done with its couple of hiccups. Not peak Spider-Man storytelling like the first game, but still a really well, well-rounded Spider-Man story. Now let's get into the side content real quick. Again, no spoilers for the side content, but I really loved um, how this game um, made every single piece of side content have have a story, um, have emotion to it. Like you're tearing up with some of these side missions. Um, there's a Sandman side mission that ends in an emotional way. There are uh, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man uh, missions, which are teary-eyed. There's one with Howard, uh, the guy you're collecting pigeons from in the first game, which actually might be one of my favorite missions in the game ever. I don't want to spoil any aspect of that mission because it is a sight to behold and experience. Um, so yeah, that is a must. If you're playing this game, you have to do the, the pigeon mission for sure. Um, but then you also have uh, Mysterio as a side content character. He has these um, new entertainment venues called Mysteriums, and those are the challenges in this game. And those challenges are really fun. I love what they do with Mysterio in this game, and his resolution is incredible. Um, it's a very different Quinlan Beck from what you saw from the MCU's version, played by Jake Gyllenhaal. But overall, I think it's a very effective interpretation of this character of Mysterio. Yeah, so the side content's all good, but here's another one of my criticisms. Um, there's too little of the side content. It feels like it's over pretty quick. I mean, there's there's less side content than the first game, but again, all the side content in this game is meaningful. While in the first game, you had those fetch quests in that in the first game, you had the backpacks. Um, you had way more location photos. Here you still have the location photos, but there's way less of them. But there's less of those like fetch quests, like monotonous tasks. It's more like, oh, everything's important as you're going through the city, which I get that's what Insomniac was going for. But I kind of wish, I mean, once again, I mean, I said it about the climax of the game, maybe like, in this case, maybe like four or five more of these side missions would have made the game feel more like well-rounded and complete because as of now it kind of feels like it's lacking a little bit in the side content and I guess that's where the DLC comes in uh, leave them wanting more so they'll pay you more which let's be real I will pay Insomniac more because <laughs> I love this game um, but I mean I feel like the side content's kind of bare in this game compared to the first one and again I don't know how you fix that because I guess they went for a quality over quantity thing which Based on my criticisms of the MCU lately, I can't say too much because everything in the game is of quality when you're playing it, but I just feel like there was too little of it. Oh, and another side mission I forgot to mention, there is this flame arc. Uh, the missions are called the flame. Highly recommend playing those as well. It sets up um, one of Spidey's most iconic villains. Um, and it also sees the return of uh, Yuri Watanabe, which who was the police captain in the first game and continues her arc, and I think it's a very effective continuation of her arc as well. So highly recommend playing those side missions, uh, the flame side missions as well. 
So to put a bow on this uh, brief review that I'm doing of Spider-Man 2, overall, a great package of a game, worth full price. Um, so if you're having doubts because of the price, it's worth that 70 bucks, even though some of the side content is lacking. You do get a bang for your buck out of everything you have in the game from the story and the side content that is there. Um, but overall, great gameplay, uh, great improvements in the traversal and the combat of the game. The increase in the map was really well done, um, makes New York feel more alive. Um, you have a great story with Craven. You have a great story with Venom. Um, only detractions I can give to the overall story of the game is Miles feeling a little bit sidetracked or like disconnected from the main plot. Main plot is really effective with Peter and the symbiote though and Peter and Harry. All that's really well done, but it feels like, and Miles' portion is well done as well, but it kind of feels like he's on doing his own thing for a little portion of the game rather than fully like involved in the plot until really, really late stages of the game. And then the other criticism, third act could have been a little bit longer, could have made you like kind of dwell in that third act apocalyptic setting they have in this game. But it does still work. Venom still works as a villain, but it does feel a little rushed in its current form. So overall, I'd give it a 9 out of 10, as I said earlier. Uh, 10 out of 10 for the gameplay, really great uh, steps up. And then an 8 out of 10 for the story, a little bit below uh, what the first game was. But overall, still a great, great Spider-Man game. Highly recommend you all play this game as soon as possible. Um, hopefully it's on sale on Black Friday if you're not able to pay for a full price $70 game. Or maybe it'll come to PlayStation uh, Plus at some point. But overall, really worth it. And I hope you all experience it if you're able to because i think it is a quintessential spider-man story that any fan of the character would love well that's gonna do it for me on this uh solo episode of pop culture quintessentials with cubed we'll be back next time with the full gang hopefully um and we'll be talking about all the movies we've seen recently uh the creator killers of the flower moon uh, fnaf we'll talk about five nights at freddy's as well Maybe we'll even touch on the Marvels depending on when we uh, record that episode. Um, there's a lot. And then there's the Legend of Zelda news, obviously. Um, hopefully the actor strike will be over as well and we can talk about the end of that. Uh, but until next time, this is Ruben signing off. Whip, whip.